0: Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Flip Your Lid. We got amazing young woman with us today. She's a therapist. Her name is Tasha Hunter. You've probably heard of her. If you have not, you're going to be really glad that you took the time to learn more about who she is. So Tasha, thank you. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us.
0: So, so glad to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. So you know the deal. I want you to tell everybody we're just going to start here and see where it goes. Tell us a little bit about what in life, your personal life or professional life, like what flipped your lid and what measures have you had to take to reconnect to who you really are?
0: I love this question Mm. and what flipped my lid, maybe I guess it's been maybe 15 years ago was Mm. uh, the realization that the God that I was raised to believe in Mm. was not what is, is true. It's it's not true. Mm. And so all of, my fears and doubts about myself and lack of acceptance, lack yeah. of self love, were based in believing in a God that would disapprove of me for a number of reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Whew, and like, I knew that that couldn't be a loving God. Right, right. And I I remember the day. I remember the time when mm-hmm. things were just unlocking for me. And uh, and so that is one one moment in which my my fled my fled. <laughs> <laughs> My lid was officially flipped. Yeah, right. And then other time, uh, Kim, I am a Air Force veteran and uh oh. um, and it just occurred to me through personal and professional relationships and serving in the military that I went from being a being in a home where I was seriously severely traumatized mm. to joining the military. And being severely and seriously traumatized. Yeah. And fighting a fight that I didn't even believe in. Like, what in the world are we doing to people? Yeah. What Mm. are we doing Mm. in this prioritization of the US over the world and over people that matter to? And that want to live a peaceful life, too. Mm-hmm. And then want to have family and community, mm-hmm. too. What am I doing? And I just started to think about who and what is really being served. Yes, yeah, so good. So good. And wanting a life in which my personal and pri- private life, my personal and professional life aligned with my values. Yeah. And so I just started to really, between religion and and the military-industrial complex, really figure out who am I and how can I live a life that is ethically or morally or one one that has true integrity, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's just like, you just get left enough meat. I mean, there's so much on that. We, you and I could hang it for five hours, and we might, knowing us. Yeah. We might do that. So, but thank you for that because, you know, honestly, we don't even have permission to f- have free speech about what you just said. Like, it takes courage to say what you just said, that you are a veteran, and I truly mean it. I'm so grateful for your service, but I also hear you, like, who, who are we serving? Who are we serving? Yeah. And and, and the Christianity. are we serving? Right. And the Christianity coming in to this and knowing a lot of us have traumatized childhoods and then people go into military, similar trauma. But also people go into churches and it's a similar type of trauma and emotional regression that's happening there.
0: Yes. And and trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. Yes. Absolutely. And both roads led me to living a life in which I was living. And existing for other people. Yes. So for, without really figuring out who am I? Yeah. And yeah. the God that I do believe in. Why did Why did mm-hmm. she create me? Yeah. What am I here for? Sure. Yeah.
1: And yeah. And, and just to sit with that and 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 honoring the divine femininity. You're right. Honoring you know that we serve a God bigger than than gender, but not being allowed to think that that we serve a God beyond race, beyond gender. And that even saying that, people don't know how to interact with that one pronoun you just used. Yes. So, how tell me how you, because you, know, you talked about going to trauma response of so fawning, which is also very much a coping mechanism slash addiction that is encouraged in military, encouraged in families, and encouraged in church. So how, what put the spotlight on that? How did you start realizing like, oh, this is not just a way of life; this is a a lack of self. H- how did how did you get there? Um,
0: well, two things. In the military, in the Air Force, we have these we have these core values.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two of them are service before self hmm. and integrity in all that you do. Right. But the more that they spoke about integrity and we would have to recite our core values all the time, Um, I kept seeing proof of a lack of integrity. hmm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And so, it felt like mm, just something that you create, and um, and and maybe an ideology or something, but it wasn't real. Yeah, it wasn't real. Yeah, um, because of sexual assaults, mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. leadership that is transphobic, homophobic, and racist. Right, right. Because we are carrying out missions and literally decimating whole countries, communities, taking, breaking up of families, stealing of resources to support Mm. us. Mm. And I don't see the integrity in taking what does not belong to us Mm. so that we can survive Mm. And if I can't survive off of my own, I definitely don't want to steal it from another person. Yeah. And if we look at history, white supremacy culture has always committed violence against others in order to remain on top. Right. So I had to ask myself what am I supporting? Mm. And I'm going to pause here because I actually don't even know if I'm answering the question. Oh, you're doing great. Please just keep going. You're doing you're doing beautifully. And so little bit by little bit, I just started chipping away and saying, whoa, am I a conscientious objector? Yeah. What, what am I? Because I don't support this. And when I would talk to people, who um, were in the countries in which I was deployed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I would talk to the people that live there,
1: yeah,
0: or they would talk to me or we you know, have these conversations and they mm-hmm. said, we don't hate America. I remember somebody saying, we don't hate America. We want you out of our country. Mm-hmm. We don't hate you. We just, there used to be There used to be a hospital down there. There used to be a school over there. Mm. And you all came and you blew it all up. Wow. Wow. And for a minute, I sat with just this one person's, well, it's more than one person, but this specific person's story. And I imagined, what if I were in their shoes? Yeah. Yeah. And all that I had known had Mm. been taken away. Mm Mm-hmm can I allow myself to feel this person's pain? Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't a, like, I'm against the military. This is just as a veteran and as a spouse of uh, of the military. And I've spent 20 plus years in military environments. So I know the culture. I've worked mm-hmm. in it from a number of ways. Yeah, Veteran, family member, spouse. And then as a contractor, I've done all the jobs.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. in
0: the community yeah. and serve military members. It just some things for me didn't make sense and I don't ever want to do anything yeah that harms another person, no matter right. the yeah. reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So how, how um, do you how are you in military? hearing the story, having empathy, right? and just being a compassionate person, How do you hear that? How do you reconcile that because you can't just say, well, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm out. So you're talking about being inundated in the military culture. And then having enlightenment, like looking at it differently, experiencing it differently. What did you do?
0: Little bit by little bit, I started kind of shedding away, just kind of backing up, and and maybe you know counting down my commitments, and <laughs> you know how much longer do I have in this environment, mm-hmm. and and what do I do? I I don't regret my time in the Air Force. It. I could talk all day about how it saved my life in a lot of ways. Right. Right. I am who I am today because of the benefits that the military Mm. provides. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was it was a little bit by a little bit, just Mm -hmm. just a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. It's not those aren't things that I could vocalize. Even now, it's like mm. I don't want to. You know, I have parts that I don't want to upset anyone with. Yeah, with my experience, my beliefs. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, and, and there's a duality. I mean, most people have a job they don't yeah. like, they don't agree with what corporation is doing or the school system, whatever it is, and they also have a paycheck and kids take care of it. I mean, you're talking about duality. A lot of us live in just a minute. Yeah. People who help military, they get more defensive about it.
0: Sure, sure, and and that so that. That backing up is exactly also what I did in religious environments. I would sit and and there were periods of my life where I was so active in church. It's all I thought about. It's all I breathed. Mm -hmm. It was just everything. All Mm -hmm. of my relationships were in the church. Mm -hmm. I I was all the things, leading things and just just in there. Mm -hmm. And. But I started to listen. Started to listen, really listen and take in. Church felt, as much as I hated cliques and gangs, and I was never, once somebody that was in the popular crowd, I was always on the outskirts. Uh-huh. Church felt like most much of the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Protect the leader, trust the leader, believe the leader at all costs. Yeah. Even if the leader is committing the same sins that they're preaching against. Right. Even if the leader is abusive to their spouse, mm-hmm. mm. even if the leader is mismanaging the funds that were brought in, those wonderful tithes and offering that people yeah. work so hard to give. You're right. Even if um, the leader preaches a sermon and shares some deeply personal stuff about somebody during the sermon. Yeah. Yeah. it's It was so many things that I observed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I have parts that are even like, well, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm but there was a lot of harm Mm -hmm. and a lot of religious and and spiritual trauma that was happening. Mm -hmm. And yet no conversations were happening about that. And as a matter of fact, there were more conversations about Malachi 310, you know, giving of the, you know, the tithes and offerings, Mm -hmm. giving your, your 10%. Mm -hmm. There were more sermons about women, um, being in the role of like wife, being what it meant meant to be a good wife. Mm -hmm. There were many more sermons about um, anti-abortion and and and, and, and sermons against the LGBTQ plus population. Oh yeah. Than there ever were about preventing child abuse.
1: Yeah.
0: Preventing neglect. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Addressing white supremacy culture and racism. Mm Mm-hmm. There were were less sermons about how we all really do belong to each other. And no matter where you stand, no matter what religion, no matter what belief, we really are the human race. And what does it look like? What does love look like in practice? Right. In practice. To not see a person based off of denomination Mm -hmm. and to just see a person that wants a good life the way that I want a good life. And I didn't hear a lot of those sermons. Not at the church. I went to churches. Yeah. And I I really didn't see love in practice. What Mm -hmm. I saw is the doors of the church are open. All are welcome. But once you get in here, you have to act like, dress like, be like we all are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started to kind of back up. Mm. I just started to back up. There were so many things that happened that we don't even have time to discuss. Mm. And I thought, oh, this isn't. This doesn't feel, feel like Jesus. Yeah. This yeah. doesn't feel mm-hmm. like love. Yeah. Not well, real love.
1: Yeah. Your your wording is so good about practicing love, and and you're also doing a comparison that. R- I don't hear a lot about, which is military versus church or military alongside church and the similarities, right, um, in that. And so I just want to put this out there because you talked about part of military is service before self. And church is the same, yeah. right? And here's the issue is that if there is no sense of self, that means I don't know what love is. I know what performance is. I know what perfectionism is. I know, right? Like, But there's no... Self. And so if I don't have self, then I will listen to whoever the leader is and I will seek their approval
0: out of lack of self. And and if you're a, a traumatized person or a person that has experienced childhood neglect, childhood trauma of any kind, mental, emotional, sexual, physical mm-hmm. um, abandonment, mm-hmm. then you go in the military where they say you don't matter the mission it's all about the mission first
1: yeah
0: and not only mission first but the the interest of the united states government comes mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. not your family yeah not yourself right the mission and 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 interest or or you know priorities of the united states government so then you exist and you serve the military with all that you you have with your whole heart and you do all the things and you work the long mm-hmm. hours and go where they tell you to go because that's what you have to do by contract. Right. And oh, by the way, that also exists in a lot of churches and a lot of corporations and all of this is existing. And, and you grow up in families. Let's say you grew up in a family where the man is the head of the household and everything <laughs> revolves around the man. Mm-hmm. Or or you have to put your parents' needs first and their emotions first. Right. Or you grew up in a home where you have to Siblings because of harm, mm-hmm. alcoholism, sexual abuse, or any domestic violence, and you know, and, and you're the protector. At what point do you learn to love and protect yourself? Because nobody's teaching about that. No, you don't. I simply didn't learn to protect and love myself. Right. I learned to keep things quiet. You know, family mm-hmm. said, "Oh." Um, this is still, you know, your, your parent, you got to forgive them. You got to yeah. let it go. Oh, in church, when somebody, you got to forgive, you got to let it, oh, turn the other cheek so they can slap the other cheek. Right. Right. You gotta, you gotta be okay with being slapped. hmm And, and, and of course, you know, and all these different things. So I learned that that was in fact, not love. Yeah. In any of those situations, there was no self. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long road of me coming back home to me. Yeah, that's good. What does it mean to prioritize my own needs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to have agency and autonomy? Mm-hmm. What's it mean to accept myself? Right. And I'm a queer black woman, and and I honestly didn't even meet God and find a sense of self until I came to gra- to to came to grips with my own sexuality yeah, and said, whoa, you know, that's when I really found self love and and Mm -hmm. found all the things Mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. When I could acknowledge my own sexuality, my own identity, apart from what other people want me to be or expect me to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so in this, it's just, I just don't think we can talk about it enough that you're, you know, a baby's born and They don't think, oh, mom and dad or grandparents or having a bad day, I won't cry. All right. They just show their need and they get their need, hopefully, satiated. But the older we get, the more we learn that we get taught that need is selfish Any emotional need is is a sign of weakness, that it's you not loving God, it's you being self-centered, being narcissistic, like all the things get so embedded in us that on our adult journey, if I out like, oh no, without a sense of self, I'm a I will be abused because I'm abusing myself. I will gravitate towards a person who will continue that that abuse, right? So you're like coming out of all this. Tell me a little bit about like what behavior is there? What what trauma responses are you seeing that's giving an indication that like, oh, this is this is not who I really am. This is who this is the conditioned self. This is who they told me to be. Like did you realize all of it at once? Was it a titration process, like very slowly dripping in of realizing what was actually
0: happening to you? Yeah, it was definitely a titration process. I noticed that in in church they used to have these, I don't know if we still have them, but these like what they call life groups.
1: Mm.
0: And and I'd go and we were supposed to be like, Studying the Bible and all, just spending time together, this connection time, and it was, it was, it was bullcrap. And <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Speak it. Speak truth. And I noticed that I was always like the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Like I would never really. I I always had parts that were like, don't don't say anything. Don't don't question mm-hmm. anything. Don't. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like I read the Bible too, like yeah, like I'm. Are we reading? Mm. And I would notice how they would they would pump up David and Paul mm. and, and a number of the other uh, leaders and apostles throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. We're not really naming like you're sitting here, you know, pre- preaching and teaching about David and being a man after God's own heart, but David was a rapist and a murderer. Yeah, right. How did we
1: get so conditioned that we overlooked that? Like that's
0: that we overlooked
1: that. that. yes yeah, that he's a racist and a murderer. Right? Yes,
0: and, and and so it's like. What stories are you reading? And Paul was a murderer. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't get to take these stories in the Bible and like glorify them yeah, without telling the truth mm-hmm. about who these people are. Mm-hmm. And so I just, even, I mean, I could really, Really pull at like Paul's history, yeah, and things that he preached about, right? And and I'm like, Are we Paulians? Are we Paulians? Are we Mm. Mm. because a lot of things, a lot of the letters that he wrote would cancel most of us out, right? Right, we would not exist, Mm. Mm -hmm. even as Christians, right? We would not exist. And I always thought that I had a passion for ministry. I do believe that in a lot of ways I am ministering, but, but I had this, I wanted to be a speaker and a minister and, mm-hmm. and do these things. But according to Paul, uh-huh. I couldn't. Right. And, and so this, this titration, you know, this, mm-hmm. it was just a little bit by a little bit by saying, I've read the whole Bible. And I felt like I knew what was in there. And it just started to feel so uncomfortable that I had to remove myself. Mm-hmm. I felt like in those spaces that I could only exist if I were quiet. If I were compliant. Mm-hmm. And if I ignored my own knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've spoken about this a little bit, Um, being a a queer person, and when they would preach against certain things, and I would kind of sit there and think, they're talking about me. Mm. They don't know it, but they're talking about me. Yeah. And I don't want to exist in this life. We only have one life. I don't want to exist and have to silence myself. Mm-hmm. There's only one Tasha. Mm-hmm. There's only one person like me. Right. I mean, there's a lot of Tashas, but but there's only one me. Right. And I do myself a huge disservice and 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 I feel like I, I would even disrespect the one life I have if I live my life for other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't find out my own purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my life's goal from this point on.
1: Yeah. What, what measures are you taking for that? Like, are you doing certain types of therapy or things you're doing? Because again, like, we know our purpose when we know who we are. And yet we are in a culture that teaches most of us
0: to not know who we are. Yes. Oh, so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I read really good books. <laughs> yeah. I go to therapy. I've been in therapy for a long time. Yeah. I... um. I cleared out a lot of the people that aligned with values that I don't align with. Mm -hmm. And when, for for me, I I feel like in in the search to like find out who you are in my search to find out who I am, I had to grieve a lot of things. I had to grieve people. Mm -hmm. I had to grieve that weekly practice that (laughs) The, the going to church the communing with with people that i once loved. Mm-hmm. um and i thought I, can't, I i i just always felt like i'm always going to be in church i love the environment mm-hmm. that corporate worship yeah um just all of us being together and 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 praising god and and just well i can do that in a number of ways that don't ex- it, you know, mm-hmm. it's not in a brick and mortar building. I can I can praise nature and I can praise God and I can listen to my intuition. So I'm practicing a lot of honing in on how does my body feel mm-hmm. in certain instances. Um, that little voice, that little intuitive voice back here, you know, behind my ears that whispers yeah. things that I need to know or be aware of. Mm-hmm. I practice listening to that voice. Yeah. Um, I. Practice naming who I am, mm-hmm. the lens in which I see the world, in pretty much every environment that I'm in. Because never again, I, you know, will I sit in a room full of people who are saying or doing really harmful things. I will never be in an environment like that and not use my voice to speak up for myself and others. Yeah to yeah. set myself apart to say, oh no, 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 no. The thing that you did, the thing that you said was so harmful and traumatizing for that person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I s- spent years afraid to speak up. In the military, you certainly really can't. Right. It, you know, if if harm is being committed to another person, you can't, you can't really vouch for them. You you have mm-hmm. to go along mm-hmm. or you might experience the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, retribution and all of that, it's a, it's a real thing. And so, mm. um, I had to clean out my, my life, my circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was harder at first, but then it's really beautiful once it's done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that all of those things, especially like really could, Thinking about who I'm spending my time with and how I'm showing up in spaces and what spaces am I in? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you can really heal from anything unless you leave the places that were very harmful. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and and you know, it's part of this. Is, since I'm in recovery, is you know, like when I first got sober. Like, it was crucial that I just be on people who are also in recovery. It was crucial that I not go to old playgrounds, playmates, all that kind of stuff. And there's a grief of loss of lifestyle. There's a grief of loss of the drug, all that kind of stuff. There's also crucial. And so I, I, I've heard people's very negative reaction when they hear, like, oh, that, that, that for a period of time, queer people just want to be around queer people. That black mm-hmm. people want to just be around black people for a certain amount of times and not have to be mm-hmm. different or adjust or anything just, but in that there's a healing and our hope is that again, we get a more of a, a, a connection to self and have more of a parent view of people and more tolerance. But mm-hmm. I think part of that is, is allowing ourselves to be intolerant. We're very okay with other groups being intolerant, right? But the difficulty of, if you're a minority of needing time to just be with, with a marginalized group of people before you go back out, into that it's it's very you know it's interesting to me that that what fits people yeah all right and what makes it okay but it is crucial that you have your your own people and that you not have to be on people who you have to in
0: any way apologize for being who you are absolutely not absolutely not and and as a black queer person i feel like i have to I've got to be okay knowing that there is a large percentage mm-hmm. of the United States who will not really see my humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and feel justified. Not see yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In the same way that they see themselves as equal. Right. Even today, mm-hmm. 21st century, 2023, mm-hmm. and we have so many issues. hmm you know, race related issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So instead of, and, and no amount of like respectability, being the good black person. Yeah. Working hard, you know, I'm educated. Yeah. Right. Right. Follow at least most of the rules. Um, you know, I'm a good girl most days
1: mm-hmm.
0: and no amount of that. I, I watched it. Um it's it's been my experience, like even today, like for a lot of white folks, I'm still an other,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and will always be othered. It's it's why so many Black people die at the hands of law enforcement, and while we, you know, we it's. you know, I think that the media has made, you know, jokes and people make jokes out of all of the, the Karens or whatever. I kind of don't really like that term, but, but all of the Karens that are like calling the cops or complaining or causing issues to black and brown people. And it's really not funny. Right. It's really, it's really dangerous. It's really inhumane. It's not funny at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just to, to your point, I've had to remove myself from people, places, and things
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: that do not serve me well. Mm-hmm. And only allow myself in environments where I can be seen <laughs> in the light of who I really am. Yeah. And where there's equity, <laughs> mm-hmm. where there's love, where there's respect, where there's acceptance. Um, and again, through all of that, I found myself and I found my freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And that's evident. How, how did the "don't ask, don't tell" policy, while you were in the military, like where are you in scope? The the spectrum of of acceptance, and then the "don't ask, don't tell." Like where are you? When you were in the military with all that or was it completely secretive oh it
0: was so it's such a those are some weird years yeah my goodness kim and i was mm-hmm. the world's largest just biggest hypocrite mm-hmm. i'd serve my country and then and then thursday friday nights i go and hang out with all my gay friends and we party mm-hmm. and a real good time that we could not discuss right on monday morning right so when other people say oh can and don't ask don't tell so Mm -hmm. they would talk oh I went you know I had a barbecue or I spent time with my family or I did this other thing and I would make up some kind of story yeah sure had to because I couldn't bring my queer self Mm -hmm. (laughs) and talk about the things that I was Mm -hmm. really doing Mm -hmm. um and and then it it was weird observing both officers and enlisted um self-identify as gay or lesbian or queer I don't think that they used queer back then they it was just like bisexual or whatever but Mm -hmm. um that would self-identify as a means to get out of the military oh it was weird seeing the chain of command make jokes about people who were gay and lesbian and, Mm. and who would, would joke about, oh, well, I'm, you know, you say you're gay, I'm going to out you to your family. Let's go call your mom and see what she thinks about you being gay. Wow. Um, it was a lot of that, Mm -hmm. just a lot of people exiting the military, um, on their own or forced out because of their sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a plan B, so I I couldn't just get out and and go home to my family. I don't have. I didn't have a family back then mm. to go home to. Right. I couldn't just. That was my livelihood. Mm-hmm. It it allowed me to have a roof over my head and to feed myself, take care of myself.
1: Right.
0: So it was staying silent. Yeah. For a very long, um, mm. um. And that, you know, during those don't ask, don't tell, uh, the suicide rates were as high as they've ever been. Hmm. Yeah, I bet. And so, um, again, in in, in what world do we alienate people? Yeah. And do we bully people? Right. And we force people to be silent about who they are at their core. Or they were born that way, or mm-hmm. or became that way for what you know through whatever reason because of attraction and and interest and curiosity and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. But in what world do we ostracize them, mm-hmm. It harass and then, them,
1: and then yeah. harm? And then there is harm when you do come out as who you are, right? Is that mm-hmm. it is the idea of that if you're not in majority, right? And so then. Of course, like it's just people understanding if they have one thing they want to tell their spouse, but they're they're keeping it secret. Even if it's something a surprise birthday party they're having for them. Like you pay mm-hmm. a physical and emotional price just to keep a, even a positive secret.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine, yeah. imagine every day having to live in this, no matter what
0: it is. And, or a, and having a, a lover or a partner and not being able to say yes, yeah. myself and my partner, when on yeah. a date or... Mm-hmm. Or we, we had a party or we, you know, we did whatever you'd have to say, oh, me and my roommate mm-hmm. sure, or my friend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of an emotional price. Was there, was there a behavior for you that came from that, that even, even health problems even physical health problems, are you aware of the price that your silence costs you?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see, what award did I win through all of all of my traumas? Mm. Depression, yeah. anxiety, right. PTSD, mm-hmm. um, a serious, well, several attempts to end my life. One that was more serious than all the rest mm. um, that led the doctor that last attempted suicide to say, we do not know how you survived this. How are you here? We don't mm. understand. You're not supposed to be here. Wow. And so surviving that suicide attempt as an active duty member, Mm -hmm. living with depression, living with major anxiety, panic attacks, not just because of the homophobia, but just everything. Right. And I, I remember telling somebody to... Then like all of the times, not just myself, but a, a lot of, of marginalized folks that that served, being at work and, and like crying and like just going through so much harassment and, and just difficulty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I don't want any job that makes me cry. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't want any job where I am like having panic attacks before I walk into mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. dreading being in the environment. Sure. Guarding myself, kind of just like bracing every day for, I I hope they leave me alone today. Mm -hmm. I hope things are okay today. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, there's, there's some real serious implications in being in harmful and abusive environments. Yeah. And, And Tasha, I'm just, I'm just curious and this
1: is painful to even think about, but were people in the military who came out or were suspected or are they more likely to be sexually assaulted, to teach them a lesson, to show them what really
0: being a woman is supposed to mean? All the things that I've heard. That- what it means, you know, being being a woman, how dare you? Yeah. Or being being a man or a non-binary person, how mm-hmm. dare you mm-hmm. not be cisgendered, cis hetero? Right. right. Because we live in a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. We... Where we are brainwashed, we're supposed to need men. Mm. We're supposed to not exist without a man. So so how dare you mm-hmm. not be here in the full service of a man? Yeah. And not and not and not exist as a cis hetero cisgendered man right if, if you right. know if you're let's say if you're you know a, a gay person mm-hmm. how dare you mm-hmm. we are not what are you doing yeah so so yeah there's immediate ostrac- ostracization i don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a word and yes sexual yes mm-hmm. sexual assaults are prevalent in the military yeah so there's a lot of well, I don't. I don't think that this is a case so much now. It it still exists, but but especially back then. Um, and I came in in the late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to mask yourself. You had to. You, you, you know, there was lots of masking mm-hmm. so that your physical body could be protected. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. It's a, it 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 happens a lot, and I'm sure that it still happens to to a degree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Again, the similarities between the church and military. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're not allowed to question. And again, the idea of telling people service before self is incredibly detrimental. It's part of why so many of us sabotage today. Is that the minute we let things be about connection to self, which is how God wired us. We are created and wired to be connected to self. We are. And, and it, without that happening, we stay in sympathetic, we stay in a fight response, or we stay in dorsal vagal, it's completely shut down. Like You really are meant to be at your best and being connected. But without being taught that, then this system, whether it's church, military, or society as a whole, this system remains the same because there's not enough
0: self to question it. Yeah, um, part of my healing too came through psychedelic um, assisted therapy. Okay, all right. Why didn't we start there? Okay, hang on,
1: hang on. Why no, did we well, not? I, I just wanted to name. start there. Talk about that right now, please.
0: <laughs> I, tell me I don't
1: know that we have time. But, no, but um, pl- please tell me something. I'm, I'm so intrigued. Okay,
0: okay. So here, here's here's because I don't want to share everything because some you know, but but I will say that one of the questions that came through my own psychedelic journey is. Um, one of the questions or or the intentions were who am I before my mother's birth? Mm, Right. Who am I before my mother's birth? Mm -hmm. And and we can take that a little bit further. Who am I before the world told me who they wanted me to be and needed me to be? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And so this, like, coming home to yourself and finding yourself came through asking that question over and mm-hmm. over and over. At my core, who am I? Mm-hmm. And what am, What are my interests and what do I believe in? Mm-hmm. And where do I feel most safe? Yeah. And And in terms of love and practice, what does that mean to me? Mm-hmm. How do I practice it to myself? for myself and then how do I give it out to the world right but who am I and that's an easy question and that's such a complicated question all complicated sure yeah Yeah, yes individuality
1: versus personality yeah yeah Uh, what's what can you tell us a little bit like what psychedelics you chose how like how you were able to do that Um, I I think it's the future of mental health. I'm very excited about what it does for people.
0: I am so passionate about psychedelics. I am trained in psychedelic assisted therapy. I'm trained in ketamine, which is Mm -hmm. the only legal thing here in North Carolina. Right. Um, I hope that they would follow the footsteps of Oregon and other states, um, Hawaii and some others. Um, And so I got introduced about three years ago. And and I've had other experiences that I just can't name here on air. We can talk about it offline though. Okay. Um and it just it came through being in a community of other other clinicians mm-hmm. who were already on the path and getting training and them saying, Hey, uh, why don't we meet and talk about this? And, and here's this, here's this training. Okay, you know, sign up for this and I was mm-hmm. signing up for psychedelic home. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 then you know being in community with others who were who were wanting to connect back with indigenous culture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and and all of us healing deep childhood trauma, right? Deep so, wounding.
1: So in that indigenous culture, are you alluding to the Peru, the Peru mud tea um, that I can't pronounce by the way, why so I'm not saying it. it. Is just like the more of a indigenous mud tea that people are are drinking and being allowed for four hours to, to purge. Just
0: any of the indigenous medicines we can, uh, for for instance, psilocybin. Right. Absolutely. I'd love to. I mean, um, or, or San Pedro, or, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many. And so, uh, but being in community with people that were, I don't know, leaving out the medical model. Yes. Because we understood and I still believe it. The medical model doesn't really exist as far as I can tell to make us well. That's correct. To make us better. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I read an article or seen some research where, you know, are doctors, are they still healing things? Um. It seems like it's been a number of years since we've had like any breakthrough in science where diseases are being healed. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure really what happened. Yeah. Maybe well, the pharmaceutical industry has something to do with that? It could have a little bit
1: to do with that. And you know, and that's one reason why I love Dr. Gabor Amante. Like he is speaking so beautifully and clearly as an MD of like, hey, we're, you know, he's very much in the psychedelic assisted therapy. Yes. Right, and he's done so much, and because he's got the initials, and also probably because he's he's male, and he's older. He's got so much experience. He's speaking so well about the trauma that doctors go through, mm-hmm. and you know, it, just to become doctors, but there's no yeah. training. There's no training on trauma, so they're they're already in trauma
0: state, and so they're not even interacting with their patients about the patient's yeah. trauma. There's no training in trauma, so. Like when we talk about psychedelics, it's, you know, I'm thinking of psilocybin and and ayahuasca Yes. um, Yes. and and LSD and MDMA. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's, there's a whole long list of of others, but, uh, and those things are, you know, should, a lot of those should be decriminalized. Yes. Cannabis should be decriminalized everywhere. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I agree. Um, And Yeah, so 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 that so psychedelics was a major part of of my own healing and understanding. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's um, wonderful. And I look forward to having conversations in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, more mm-hmm. well, about this. Yeah, and
1: I would I would love that. And and so I just want to ask this for for our listeners because I'm I'm definitely one of those psychotherapists that are very much encouraging people to research this and, and telling them about like the soul church in Florida, the different places where they can, you know, experience this. But t- tell, tell the amazing audience, who's the right
0: candidate for ketamine? Mm. The right candidate for ketamine. Um, I feel like ketamine could almost be for any person. Um, most people who have a diagnosis of PTSD mm-hmm. or have been, um, you know, on some kind of um, psychotropic medic- medications for depression, mm-hmm. for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's, you know, any kind of a mood disorder. Yeah. I don't know if it works very well for those with like personality disorders or not. Right. um, Or like um, uh, bipolar or uh, DID, um, Mm -hmm. disassociative identity disorder. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure about that. I I don't know. And I feel like I I would need more information before I even speak on that. Sure.
1: But it sounds like the majority of people that are listening, because I know are are amazing really just inquisitive audience like they are the, the prime candidate if this is someplace that they feel stuck when it comes to depression and that you know anxiety is unprocessed trauma
0: and
1: so yeah. not being able to have movement in that, that 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 they could contact you yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and and are, definitely reach out and if and if I'm not able to assist I can certainly provide them some resources. Right. right. Are you Are you doing, like, are you working within a ketamine clinic or are you doing it as a sole practitioner with the ketamine? So I don't work with clinic. I don't work. So I'm, my private practice is I'm literally just a solo therapist. Right. So right now my work is not with it any like psychedelic assisted therapy clinic or, or anything like that. That's right something I'm hoping to get into here within the next year or two. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so, right. Especially because I live in a state where a lot of the medicines that I would want to work with are just not legal right now. Right. Um, But I do believe, you know, ketamine is, is what's legal. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so moving forward, I'd love to do that work. I do also offer for clients that are getting ketamine assisted therapy and they want to still utilize services like from from their own therapist. So if I'm their therapist, mm-hmm. they can get the treatments, and we can do integration set sessions separately. Gotcha. That's good. That's really. And good. so, so that's one thing that I do provide. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. I appreciate you being able to share about that. And and again, like I, I've researched doing the the training with MDMA. I just made a decision. To not do that, one, because you have to do the MDMA yourself. And I've been serving for 27 years. and I'm not, I'm just not willing to do that, but very much for finding the resources, finding people in the community who are, who, cause it's a lot of training. It's very expensive. Anybody that's doing that training is highly dedicated to, to people getting better.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, what psychedelics does is it, it moves, it backs up our protectors. Right. um, Our firefighters. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And just from my experience, it feels like we can, we can spend 20 years really processing the same trauma over and over and over. Yeah. And psychedelics can really fast track a lot of that healing. Um, It's important for people to find, to do, do your due diligence and do a lot of reading and research on the mm-hmm. places. There's still even a lot of harm in those environments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very true.
0: Psychedelic environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just do a lot of research before you go. Yeah. Check out the place that you're going to if you're getting ketamine assisted therapy or psilocybin-assisted therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, do a tour of the place, interview them, ask, ask the right. right questions, ask them, you know, in terms of safety and harm reduction and mm-hmm. Um, how are they addressing those issues and yeah. um, and, and talk about boundaries and all mm-hmm. the things to make mm-hmm. sure that that you're safe in, yeah. in, in those environments. Yeah. yeah,
1: sound advice. And those of you who don't necessarily know internal family systems v- vocabulary, firefighters means it's the part of you that's very impulsive. It's the first responder. It comes in and puts the fire out, so to speak. But what that means is that's the alcoholism, drug addiction. It can be binge eating, it can be doing Netflix for 10 hours, like it's just the part that helps you disassociate. And so that is always indication that there's some traumas there that's been triggered. And so that part comes in so you don't experience that. And so psychedelic assisted therapy is helping with allowing us to get moving into a higher consciousness within our brains. Therefore, we don't need to put out the fires through behavior. We're going to do it internally. Yeah. Well, you are fantastic and wonderful. Thank you. I, here, and I want everybody to know when I asked you to be with us, I didn't know you were queer. So that's just a bonus. So, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't well, well, even on purpose, but I, it makes me even happier. Oh, so, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. So thank you for being part of this. Before I put you on the hot seat, i ask you a few questions on the hot seat. I always do this to people. Will you tell them real quick if they want to connect to you or watch, follow you on social media, how would they do that?
0: Yeah, I can be reached, um, uh, or I can. they can follow me on social media at Tasha Hunter LCSW, Tasha yeah. Hunter LCSW on Instagram. And then my website is TashaHunterLCSW.com.
1: All right, great. And we'll try to have that in our show notes as well. All right, you're in the hot seat. Here we go. What is your favorite quote?
0: Oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, Oh, Kim, I don't know. Oh, well, here's one. All right. I I heard Oprah say one time, be aware of the energy. Yeah. That you bring into the room. Yeah, good, good. And that keeps me mindful of that I have a self.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah,
1: that self energy is good. All right. What surprises people the most about you?
0: Um... People know that, that that know me know that I absolutely love and can't live without music. Mm. They're very surprised yeah, when I put on a little honky-tonk, a little country music. <laughs> That's great.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's good. It's good stuff. All right, honky-tonk. All right, what surprises you the most about you?
0: Oh, my goodness, that I'm so freaking amazing, I guess. I don't know.
1: You are, I agree with that. I'll give you an amen on that one.
0: To to go from being this traumatized little girl, Mm -hmm. traumatized adult, trying Mm -hmm. to find any kind of exit out of this world and to still be here at 43 years old, almost 44, to just still be here. Yeah,
1: yeah, so good. Yeah, that's surprising for me. Yeah, yeah, I like that. What's your favorite binge-worthy show?
0: RuPaul Drag Race. (laughs) <laughs> i've watched every season since the very yeah. beginning
1: okay never watched it i kind of feel like I, I need to now that you've said that yeah
0: come on now
1: okay i'm sorry yes. i'm
0: sorry i work a
1: lot i did not i'm i'm gonna get on it though i'm so sorry okay. all right i'm gonna do it okay last hot sheet question for you if you could have any other name than your actual name what would you select Ooh. maybe
0: something gender neutral hmm I've always liked like characters on TV that had gender neutral names, whether yeah. that's Max or Frankie or Charlie yeah. or Sam yeah. Taylor, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, something gender neutral.
1: Yeah, I like that. Well, you have been amazing. Thank you, because I know you don't necessarily know me. You don't know how amazing I am. Now you might, but we didn't know how amazing we were. I just had a a intuition, gut feeling that you would bring a lot to or flip your lid audience. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, it's been great. All right, everyone. I know you probably heard something today that helped you reconnect to who you really are. And that is our hope for you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at kbhoneycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.